Welcome back to the TV Podcast. I'm your host, David J. Lore, and we are talking The Alienist with Jess Epstein. Hello, Jess. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Good. Yeah, this Good. was, this was again, another improvement from last week. I Absolutely. Think. A good episode, a strong episode, had some twists some turns, some great lines. And, and, and uh, some really nice character moments. Oh, definitely. Just, just very subtle, uh, subtle directorial touches, I think. Yeah. Very nice stuff. I, I and, enjoyed and, it. Uh, and a little homage to a certain certain movie that they keep paying homages to um, by the end of the show. Which movie? Uh, what? Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we'll I didn't get even... there. We'll get there. Okay, let's, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> let's so start is, uh, with Miss... Episode 5. Wh- where episode we last... Five. The last... Hildebrand Starling. Hildebrand Starling. So where we last left our crew was with Santarelli running down the street with a letter. I think that was the end of the previous episode. Yes. And and they all are invited, they think by Laszlo, to meet and and read the contents of the letter. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that the killer has invited them all pretending to be Laszlo. Yeah. So now they are examining the letter. And again, I wish they had taken the scene to um, the bustle of Union Square, where it is in the book. And right. there's trolleys running by and people falling off and people screaming and John Moore keeps running out and telling people to be quiet. And, <laughs> and um, what's interesting in the book, they call uh, the graphologist in Canada and here they bring someone in. I guess it's more visual. It's more interesting. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and he thinks it's a training exercise at which point they go. Nope, nope, we'll see you later. Yeah. But he's the one examining the handwriting. It's wonderful. He said the man is reliving the violence. Yes. And you can see that in the writing. Um, Talks about the Palmer method and how the, the, what, you know, what year, how old this person must be because this style of writing was taught within a certain time period in a certain place. Um, but then they really start trying to understand what is behind this man's violence and cannibalism. Right. And what happens is Sarah has it in her head that this man has been harassed and bullied by a woman, that Mm -hmm. this is why he's taking his revenge on a letter to Miss Santarelli. Right. To watch her suffer. He's watching her. He wants her to be upset and cry. Um, and, you know, he, he why well, does and, he get so violent, you know? Well, and they they have a chalkboard full of words from the letter and spellings, and they, they start to wonder about the the poor grammar and misspelling, and is it intentional, or is it unintentional, or is it misdirection? Mm. Is it someone trying to look lower class? Mm-hmm. Which that comes up. That's and uh, but but really, then what the main part of the scene is that Kreitzler again, as we saw the previous week, loses it. Right, he, he cannot he accept cannot that it could be a woman. Accept, you know that it could be a woman who is the the harasser, the woman who is the abuser, because you know his father abused him. And I guess the mother didn't protect him. Right. So now he can't imagine an abusive mother? 
And his reasoning is that it's not in any of the literature. Right. Which, that's not a good excuse there. But okay. And, you know, he's a bully. And she walks out. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame Sarah one bit. I think she was really quite done. She was correct. But Moore follows her out into the street. And and they, they agree, yes, he's a bully. That's what he's doing. Uh, only He only wants to hear opinions that reflect his own, mm-hmm. which I thought was a very nice uh, character insight. Uh, she's right. Uh, even though, you know, he is he is very insightful and he is, is brilliant, but he has a blind spot sometimes, and especially in this one. Um, and she... Uh, how does I, I have this note where she she calls him she calls Moore handsome and indolent. I don't remember why exactly. Well, he proposes marriage to her. Oh, that's right. He proposes and, for, for his amusement at uh, first, just but... for like to be ridiculous and fun. You yeah. know, I think he, yeah. um, you know, he's trying to, you know, maybe cheer her up a little bit, and he says, "Will you accept my hand in marriage?" And she's she says, "What do you know of hard work?" So your <laughs> indolent and slothful nature. Right. Um, you know. and, she, and she finally says, you know, if, if you were sincere, I might consider it. And his response is, if I were to ask, what would you say? And the carriage pulls away with her just looking. She has a little smile at the end. Yes. I mean, it was kind of a nice little denouement from the tension of the, the investigation room. Yes. Um, and you see a little bit of a softer side of Sarah, but she's really... You know, a lot of the story, and having just finished the book, is is about Sarah. Oh yeah, yeah, which is which is interesting, and you never hear about it when people talk about the book or or even really the show so far. It's all about Laszlo. You know, it's like no, she's it's it's following her and following her as a liberated woman in that period. Mm. That is one of the most interesting things in this i think well it's it's really about you know her fight to be recognized to be listened to valued heard and i think as time goes by we will see her as a more and more crucial part of the team yes Uh, if not the team leader if they don't echo that part of the book it will be interesting so after that we go to the harvard club Mm -hmm. uh with a beautiful red H flying in front, the Harvard flag. I thought that was a nice touch. <laughs> they were very accurate with that. Nice little detail. Yep. Um, and I call this, you know, club porn. <laughs> it's like the carriage porn. It's like right, beautiful right. leather chairs, bookcases, dark. Uh, you know, it's you just want to stay there forever. I could, you know, I could not live in there forever. I, I halfway expected Jeeves and Wooster to show up at some point. And he goes to his old professor, Professor Kavanaugh, who is a who, professor of ornithology. And it's one of those things where I wasn't looking at the guest cast. I was paying attention to making notes and doing stuff. And as soon as the professor opens his mouth, mm-hmm. my head shot up because I'm like, I know that voice. But they made him up. And of course, he's aged quite a bit. Uh, but they, they made him up a little differently and I'm looking at him going why why do I know his voice that can't be David Warner that's not David Warner it was David Warner mm. um 
who who uh, incomparable listeners might remember from say Star Trek Five and uh, Star Trek Six actually too, um, and various various other good films, um, not not Star Treks, but yeah, he's he's one of those great character actors. Oh yeah, yeah, I knew him you know? his face, and he basically goes and he talks about how uh, he was given this assignment, you know, to look at this bird, mm-hmm. and the first time he went to the look at the bird he came back with four page essay he was told you know to look again came back with a little more he was told to look at your bird again and finally on the third series of studying this bird he saw it mm-hmm. and he came back with a, a large in-depth detailed paper of seeing the bird how hard it is to see something Right, right. You must return and return to it. And and the great quote I liked from that was, "It's not about uh, it's not about what you learned, but how you learned. How you learned it. Right. Because anyone can can discover certain things, but how did you get to that point? How did you reason it through? How did you discover everything that needed to be discovered? And Laszlo sits and goes. Hmm. And he ends by saying, look at your bird. Yeah. That's yeah. a great line and it delivered perfectly. <laughs> and well, David Warner. I mean, <laughs> really masterful. And then you're just like, you know, he has to return and return to this killer. He is right. not at it just what he's not seeing it. Just what Sarah said as far as it being a woman who's humiliated him, a woman who's abused him, a woman who's embarrassed him and treated him so poorly. Um, he can't see it. He's not looking at his bird. He's seeing what he wants to see. Right. Um, but it's interesting. This was a nice parallel to going to uh, the dominatrix. You know, the, the professor is now a student. Yes. He's going to these people. He's going to Cyrus. He's going to the dominatrix. He's going to the dog torturer he's going back to his old professor he's he's seeking uh to find you know new ways of approaching this that seem far from him and and uh lives well outside his own and he goes again so he goes now to meet a terrible person a man man named jesse pomeroy who was a boy who's now up in Sing Sing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a fiend. He was the boy fiend. He's they, the, the Boston boy fiend. I mean, terrible. And uh, he brings more with him. And it's it's quite a train trip. Mm-hmm. And um, Moore is like, why are you bringing me along? Uh, I'm not sure I want to go. This is, not, uh, this is not what I do, because I'm an artist and not a crime reporter. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see and they go and they start interviewing him and and uh laszlo says well some will say you know you're lucky to escape the electric chair and he says you know do i seem lucky hmm. am i lucky i mean a great i don't know who this actor was but he was stole the scene yeah and I looked him up. I've already forgotten his name because I didn't write it down. Mm. But he's not a name I'd ever heard of. Mm. But he he knocked it out of the park. And he starts crying. 
And Laszlo comes over and he, you know, and he says, you know, it's okay. You know, it's all right, Jesse. And my mother never kissed me. But she ran away. And then he starts crying and Laszlo's trying to understand. And he starts, turns it and starts laughing. And he's like, you really think... I killed all those boys because my mother never kissed me. Come on. He says, why aren't you out there chopping off people's arms? Right. Oh, I remember your arm, you know. (laughs) Um, He's mocking the simplicity of Laszlo. Yes. That Laszlo's perhaps on the wrong track here. Um, And he says, well, taking their eyes. He says, the eyes meant nothing. I just had enough. I had to stop. You know, that that's part of what he claims before he, he gets turned around. And it does sound a little bit like our murderer. Right. You know, eyes and can't stop and the mother the mother issue, again, which Sarah brought up. But, you know, he ends up getting a shank and attacking them. Um you know, almost attacking them. Now what's interesting is in the book, the cops come in and they start beating Pomeroy. And then Moore and Laszlo start hitting the cops. And then they yes. have to run like hell out of the prison <laughs> to the train. I know. So, you know, I think it's interesting. And then on the train back, he says, I don't know as much as I think I do. Which is a huge admission for him. Huge. Yeah. And meanwhile, uh, Moore dozes off on the train and has dreams yeah. about his brother. Mm-hmm. Again, more water. There's a lot of water imagery in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dreams, uh, he's he imagines the boy Bernadette at the same time. Um, and he's he's jolted awake and realizes, oh, I'm I'm on a train with Laszlo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He's trying to save his brother. And then he's trying to save Joseph slash Bernadette. Right. Um, and this guy's got a lot going on in his head. The next scene is in Central Park. And it's, it's, it's Teddy Roosevelt finally riding rough. Finally a rough ride. That he oh, should've... my God. Ugh. And it's actually, he's, this is maybe the first time he really felt vaguely Teddy-like to Slightly. me. Slightly. Slightly. You know, and, and then he says, you know, the truth rarely makes a good headline. You know, yeah. And uh, there's his. You know, he talks about the suspicion that it's an important family in town and well, that he, let he, the family take care of it. Well, the, the person he's telling this to is the mayor. The mayor. The mayor of New York. Doesn't want to ruffle the feathers. He doesn't want to ruffle feathers. And yeah, he may be the, the person who put Roosevelt in charge, but he's sort of stepping up and saying, hey, Roosevelt, I put you in charge. I'm in charge of you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and saying, you know, wrap it up. I can't, you're wasting resources investigating these, uh, lower class boy whores. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want you messing up the upper crust because of this. Nope. So done. So it says, you know, are we clear? And he says, clear we are. No. Hmm. The next scene is an old fashioned typewriter, which is kind of cool. Oh yeah. We had tons of those. But this is like a circle, circular kind of a typewriter. Right. We had a whole bunch of antique typewriters in the museum. And as soon as I saw it, I went, ah, I know that one. Mm-hmm. Because there were all different types. Like there's, there were the kind that had a dial 
and you would spin the dial to type the letter. And then you had these, which were the, the sort of the keys in a circle. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was fun to watch it in action. Cool. Yeah, that was a nice little touch uh, for them. And they get into a discussion with the Isaacson brothers about, you know, how does he, you know, well, how it's, do it's bo- Sarah typing. Sarah's typing and the Isaacsons and, and come in and they want they to meet in. with Roosevelt. And and she she says, well, I, I actually have a question. Um, how would a man and a boy have intercourse? I, uh-huh. I don't I don't understand how this works. And uh, it's it's a moment where you go, well, she's liberated, but she doesn't know everything. Uh-huh. That's you know, and and kind of surprising at that point, being in the police department and all that. But it was interesting. They took her very seriously, and they right. described what would happen, and and um, you know. She talked about, you know, you know, she, he, and they said sometimes the person might just masturbate. The person might not even, you know, right. do, which I think was the case in these murders, perhaps. Um, and she says, oh, you know, I, I can under, I can't understand why men would, you know, engage in that self pollution. And they're like, oh, I right. know, you know, that's, that's <laughs> terrible stuff. And we can't have that. Yeah, we we would never do that. I wasn't no. sure what the whole point of the scene was, except maybe to show her naivete. Yeah, yeah that's about the only thing I could think of. Um, it didn't. It doesn't really fit with anything else, really but maybe fit. it will. Maybe it's a little clue for later. Yeah, it's it's Chekhov's masturbation. The next thing is Laszlo at a beautiful dining facility. That that is really big. Just mm-hmm. finishing the book, they have. They're always going to these fabulous. Delmonico's they go a lot but they go to other places and right. have these fabulous you know dinners and drinks so he is back um I mean this is why they had a food historian on staff clearly oh it's fantastic and Sarah you know can confronts him and is very very tense and a very good scene where she you know gives him a little bit of what for gives him a little bit of a, a pushback and he says would you like some wine and she goes, no, I'll have whiskey. And he's a little surprised by that because women are genteel, right? They don't, they don't drink such a vulgar drink. But she goes but on to say, my father raised me to do everything as a man. You know, right. drink like a man, shoot like a man, talk like a man. You know? And he, he sort of gets his, uh, gets his back up and says, well, I will have whiskey too. Make that two whiskeys. And we discover very quickly he does not drink whiskey. Nope. And he tries to hide it as much as he can. And when she does eventually leave, he takes one last swig and kind of goes, <laughs> because it is not his drink. And again, it's a it's a lovely little grace note mm-hmm. for the character. And I think the scene there is about Sarah is pushing back on him. Yeah. And yeah. and I think he he's not he's the main character. But he's not always a sympathetic character. Right. Which I think right. is in keeping with the book, that he's a difficult person. Right. Who challenges those around him. Um, the next scene also didn't make any sense. It's the Isaacsons um, having a girl over to dinner at the mother's house. I th- and I think that's the girl from before. Yeah, that's the girl that he was sleeping with. Yeah. And the mother doesn't seem to speak. Right. And uh, we discover that their their names are not Jewish names. Their names are named for characters in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And at the time when they were born, 
she was reading Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that scene was really for. Yeah. Again, it was it was not sure. Yeah. Maybe just to show a different a different group of people in a different part of town. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So they somehow I forget how do they find out to go to the church? Yeah, that's a good question because they just suddenly Oh, it's because uh um, Were there some complaints? There was one of uh, uh Van Bergen had been helping out oh, at the Episcopal right. Church, that's at the Episcopal right. School. And then there were some complaints. There were some complaints. That was part of the information I think that Sarah had. And so Laszlo goes to visit the next day mm-hmm. at the Episcopal School Bishop, while the Bishop Potter, the boys and the bishop are playing Red Rover, Red Rover, send the bishop on over. So creepy. Mm-hmm. Super creepy Red Rover. Mm-hmm. That's always a creepy game. <laughs> I never got the, I yeah, I remember doing it too many times in high school. <sighs> Although we didn't have bishops. Nah. You know, I think that makes it creepier. Um. But yes, yeah, so Laszlo and the bishop go into the church and into the vestibule, or into the, I guess, the sacristy. And the bishop is getting ready and dressing mm-hmm. for service. And they have a they have a really good scene back and forth. It's it's a very tense. Scene. Oh, very tense. Um, talking about. Uh, let's see if I can read my notes. Um, Laszlo is asking about this this person who helped with the boys and why he got in trouble. Mm-hmm. Why was he Why was he taken away? Um, well, he was uh, living the life of the flesh. Yeah, which is a is a very pointed euphemism. Um, and let's see. Yes, Willem volunteered with the orphans, uh, but things things were taken the wrong way. And what could that possibly mean? Um, and meanwhile, the bishop is trying to push back a little bit because he does not believe in the alienist as a thing. He doesn't believe that nope. this is important. No. And he finally says, how would God distinguish an alienist from a spiritualist? Mm-hmm. Or a magician, kind of. Or a magician. Yeah. yeah. And, and he talks about, you know, that it's a new science. Right. Um, well, and spiritualism was all the rage in the 1890s. Yeah. And um, it all turned out to be a hoax, right? It's all con men doing doing these spiritualist acts. And that's what the, the bishop is trying to say. It's like, you're you're a con man. You're not really, uh, you, you, you don't have any insight. But he volunteers that this boy was taken away to Switzerland for a rest cure. Hmm. Switzerland, a place where you can learn how climbing and ropes perhaps Mm -hmm. so that's Mm -hmm. a nice little tag um and he doesn't seem he doesn't seem overwhelmingly worried about the boy whores or concerned about the murders or this person you know and he's very defensive um it's a really good scene but what what the he doesn't really he does get some information about van bergen Mm-hmm. But what really was the best information was walking out. He sees the calendar up on the wall, right? The and we calendar learn, of holy days. We learned that Laszlo grew up Catholic, and a lot of the holy days match up between the Episcopal and the Catholic calendars. Yeah. 
uh, and especially at that time. But yes, he, he just stops and he looks at the calendar and we get a nice long focus on, you know, kind of panning across the calendar and All seeing the, the dates red and the dates. holy days. Yeah, right? that's, when he's red killing, dates. that's when he's killing people. Right. Well, because at first they're thinking, well, it's it's the dates, right? It's it's one, one, two, two, three, three. But then they don't match up to that pattern. Mm-mm. But they match up to the pattern of holy days. They're feast days of saints. Yeah. He's saving them and elevating them like saints, mm-hmm. which is really creepy. Oh, it's super creepy. And it's time for TR to take some action. So he goes to his police. He says, we have a name. We, you know, we're going to get him. I want action. This man is killing children. Find out where he lives. And there's a great cut scene. Yeah. Because in the other apartment is um, Willem with a young boy whore that you he wants to take away. Let's mm-hmm. let me take you away. Let's go away from this place. Um, and the boy says, I don't know. You know, we're not supposed to go away. And he's got this kid and you feel like, oh, any second. You know, the bad things are going to happen. So there's right. that scene where the police are racing to the apartment and and he's in the apartment and it's quite well done. Well, well he's in an apartment. An apartment, yeah. And, we, and it cuts back and forth between these two things. And this is where we have that homage to Silence of the Lambs Ooh. where, you know, they come up the steps. We get back to... Willem and you know and his boy and we come back and there's a knock at the door and then we see Willem look up because there's a knock at the door and it turns out um, TR is at the wrong apartment Mm -hmm. and there's nobody there and he was given poor information uh, by Captain uh, Captain Connor Mm -hmm. and meanwhile the knock at Willem's door is his mother is his mother Imagine that. Wow. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's really great. Um, he was going to give the kid a milk bath. Yeah. Isn't that creepy? Just a bit. I'm never taking a milk bath ever. <laughs> I'll take uh, an I, Epsom I can, salt bath, but I'm not taking a milk bath. I guess that's a thing. I can People, I can safely say the same. Let's never not, take not a milk bath. Um, and the mother, you know, says, no, no. No, she's like, we have to go. You need to get away. You need to, you know, trying to get him to go. He's like, and she's and she sits like, him down on a bed. You can't make me. No, no, no. And he's really bratty, right? And well, she well, starts I... to kiss him on the cheek, right? My Willow, right. my boy, my good boy. And then she goes in for the lips, and he freaks out. Mm-hmm. And he leaps away and goes, no, and all that. And he has another fit, and who can blame him? Seriously. Because look at that. It's someone who's been tortured by his mother. Someone who's been abused and tortured Mm. by his mother. Now, I have to say, having finished the book... Hang hang on. Okay, go ahead. We also have, uh, at the other apartment, uh, Roosevelt is quite upset. Oh, yes. And he comes downstairs, and he just, he rips into Connor and fires him on the spot. Give me your badge and your gun. And Connor says, you will regret this. We don't know what that means. Yet. But Roosevelt had to do something. He cannot be betrayed like that. That's right. 
Um, right. it, it was a really good episode. I thought the pacing was good. It was not slow. It had a great ending. And we're going to have to see, you know, what happens with Sarah and her theories. What happens with Kreitzler? Can he get more insight into this killer? You know, they are profiling a killer. And this killer has vet profile so far and what they're showing and Silver Smile has absolutely nothing to do with the killer of the book. Really? Nope. Okay. It's a totally different killer. Interesting. It's it's strange that they chose to completely veer away, unless this is a false flag. Which it um, could be. Which it could we'll be. See. But they've been dropping so many hints that it's Silver Smile Guy. Right. Right. I mean, they even had him turn well, around. It, you know, it's just, a, it's taken a different turn. I'm trying to accept it. <laughs> I'm, I'm working, to, I'm working through it. I mean, well, the and, entire uh, point of the Alienist book was profiling a killer. It took them, you know, 100, 100 200 pages, whatever. Right they, right. they work on their chalkboard. They follow their leads. They go to different places. They go out west. They come back east. They go up and here and there. Following these leads, they finally find out who the guy is. Um, but that whole storyline is all different now. Different right. storyline. This is like choose right. your own adventure. Like they could have gone <laughs> with this guy from the book. They choose a new, new profile, new guy. Right. Well, it's interesting too, because Caleb Carr is a consulting producer. And one of the reasons that it, it took so long to get to the screen was that he did not like the way other things were adapting it. And so it's like, well, how much, how much input does he have on this? How much, uh, approval is it? Is it just a vanity credit of, you know, cause they often do that. It's like, oh, we'll make the author a consulting producer or an executive producer. And they don't really have anything to do with it, but I don't know if that's, the case. I'm going to look some stuff up about this, about the yeah. alienist killer and, and the plot yeah. change. I and mean, I'm, I'm, know, I'm, I'm, I'm down for the show. I'm I'm, yeah. on, I'm 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 yeah. I'm with them. I'm you know I'm. Well, not, it's it's the beer. I was just reading the book and thinking, wait a second, wait a second. Right. That's not this. This guy's not a upper class guy. <laughs> he didn't have syphilis and a silver smile. He had right. another facial deformity. He had a some kind of terrible tick where his whole face would get like. Pulled to the side. Oh, you know, interesting. A horrible disfigurement that would come and shape up his face. Right. Um, well, and I, you know, I wonder how much of it is um, wanting, wanting to focus on the contrast between the upper class, lower class in the Gilded Age. Uh, how much of it is maybe taking bits and pieces of plot and saying, well, we're going to save this stuff for a second season and we'll craft a separate story for that. I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously they want to run more than one season. Um, and adaptations, adaptations can be weird. I mean, LA confidential. One of the few times where I love the book, the movie and the audiobook, they're all really different. And like the scene that ends the movie is the scene that starts the book with totally different characters. It's bizarre, but they all work, so why not? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how this one goes. I'm yeah. curious. I'm curious how it's going to turn out, and we'll see where they take it. And I think yeah. that wraps us up for this week. 
yeah, we're we're literally at the halfway point now. And we will be back with episode six very, very soon, I think. Mm-hmm. I hope. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining me, Jess. My pleasure. We will see you all next time. I must follow this wherever it goes. Even if it leads me to the darkest 